I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. How are you all doing today? I am a bit tired. I started going to the gym again because a new one opened up near me and um, they're practicing social distancing and all that stuff. Um, it's very nice and it's a lot of fun. But I feel like I'm increasingly more tired, and I don't know if that means that I need to change my diet in some way or what. I'm sure it does. I'm sure I need more protein or, or something to that. So I'm probably going to go have a protein drink after I put all this together. Little book update for you. I just started the Grisha trilogy, so I'm in the middle of Shadow and Bone right now. And please tell me if I'm saying that completely wrong, because I feel like I'm probably saying it completely wrong, but um, it's uh, it's really good. My, my best friend Sarah wanted me to read it before the Netflix series came out, so I'm going to power through these guys. What are you guys reading? Because I love book recommendations so much, and I would love to know what you currently have on your nightstand. So tell me. You can go to the show's social media pages and let me know what you're reading. Uh, those links are in the show notes. And hey, give us a follow while you're while you're over there. 
Today on the show, we have Lexi Stevenson. You know her best from Young and the Restless. We have a great conversation, and it was great to meet her. So here's my conversation with Lexi Stevenson. Welcome to the show, Lexi. Hi. (laughs) How are you on this fine California day? I am doing really well. Very happy. It's getting a little warmer outside, so I cannot complain. <laughs> yes, I know. It's it's starting to warm up. We might be able might be able to go to the beach soon, I feel like. I went to the beach yesterday and it was actually <gasps> really nice. Yeah, I was so happy. <laughs> oh, nice. Was it crowded? Oh, yeah. It was super crowded. We my friend and I kind of we had to walk down the beach a little ways so that we could find a a spot so we were still social distancing and all of that yeah. there were a lot of people there <laughs> that's crazy yeah I know it's it's gonna be an interesting summer I feel like with social distancing orders still in place especially in California since it's such a popular destination for vacation goers yeah interesting exactly. to see how it is for sure yeah I know it will um it'll be different our new normal <laughs> <laughs> yes the new normal but this is how long have you been in California now Four, five years? Four, five years. I moved here in 2017. Um, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And where did you move from? Where are you from? Maine. I am from, uh, well, originally from Bath, Maine. My parents now live in Vinyl Haven, Maine. So that's where our home is. Our home, well, I guess not my (laughs) home anymore, but you know. family home. The family home is um, is in... uh, is in Vinyl Haven now, which is, um, I spent my summers there and stuff growing up because my grandmother lived there. And then now the whole family's there. So works out nice. <laughs> That's nice. I like, um, I love going to the East Coast. So it must be nice to actually go home to the East Coast after spending all of your hot days in LA. Oh, so nice. It is. It's funny because I, I definitely took it for granted when I was living there. And now that I'm here, I'm, I'm always like, wow, it'd be so nice to take a vacation to Maine, which I never thought of thinking, <laughs> but here we are. Well, you know, some of us like to actually see seasons and they don't exist in California. So yeah, no, you don't, you don't get many of those here, but oh, well. <laughs> So you said you grew up in Maine. When did you decide that you wanted to be an actor? Was it something that you knew early on? Yeah, I would say pretty early. Um, I started out just kind of singing around the house all the time. And my parents, you know, wanted, of course, wanted to support that and be like, oh, well, if you want to be a singer, um, let's find some opportunities to do that. And in Maine, of course, there weren't weren't many except for, you know, mm-hmm. high school talent shows. And really, that's it. I mean, we don't have, we don't have uh, great recording studios out there, or mm-hmm. really just opportunities to kind of get your, you know, get get your get your feet wet. But um, yeah. So I ended up finding a, uh, you know, a theater theater group. And they did musical theater. So that was kind of like, I can sing, but now I need to act. And I started acting and I fell in love with it Um, and kind of decided, hey, mom, this is this is what I want to do. And yeah, I guess I guess that's from from, you know, that was the age I had started started kind of wanting to do I was probably around seven when when all of that that is it's so funny I was the exact same way I started singing super super young 
And then by the time I was like seven, I had discovered acting because of yeah. doing musical theater things. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 but this is more fun. I like this one more. Exactly. That was that was my experience. <laughs> I love that. So you start doing these musical musicals and whatnot at your at your theater. When did you um, when did you decide that like you were going to come out to L.A. and, and actually pursue it as a career? Because it is a big leap to take huge leap um so it's funny because my mom is a doctor and a lawyer so oh wow <laughs> so college for her was okay you need to you know grades college you know master or graduate program then we go on and you know we do our thing and so I think what it was funny because I had gotten into my first choice college and I'd gotten recruited to the swim team and it was really exciting. And then my, um, my, uh, our family friend had come and visited us in Maine and he said, Hey, I would love to, you know, set you up with some meetings with some agents and managers just so that you can kind of get a feel of what it will be like after college. And they said, Oh, we would love to meet with her. So I said, okay, like, I'll just go out to LA and, you know, meet with them. And, it was, again, just to see what it would be like after college getting signed and stuff like that. And when I went and I met with them, they all ended up wanting to sign me except for one, wow. probably six different people. And they said, we would love to sign you, but you have to move here. <laughs> so I flew back. <laughs> yeah. So I flew back home and because I'd been staying with my with my uncle, my mom's brother while I was out here. And I flew back home and I said to my mom and my dad, I said, hey, listen, what if I deferred from SUNY Purchase for a year and decided to move to L.A.? And it was funny because I remember being so scared to tell my mom because, again, she was so college, 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 college. Yeah. And she was like, OK, let's do it. And I was like, OK. Yeah, mom. <laughs> honestly, so my dad and I packed up my Ford Explorer and we drove cross country to Los Angeles and <laughs> I signed with my first agent, my first manager at that point. And, um, and that was how I ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So did the, did the deferred thing ever work out? Did you ever go to college or did you say, um, no, not happening now? <laughs> No. So basically what happened was, is very funny. I was there for about seven months and I kick myself in the butt for it because I feel like, I don't know, I, I was out here for seven months and then of course I got homesick and I said, okay, I'm ready to go back home. I'm going to go to college. Mm -hmm. I already auditioned for Young and the Restless at that point. And I think it was, it had been a two, like two months since I had auditioned, you know, it'd been mm -hmm. a while. Um, so I had completely forgotten about the audition and on top of that when I had went in there and I had signed on that casting sheet I was flipping through pages of names I mean it was a cattle call for um, yeah for the role and uh so I had emailed my agent my dance coach my modeling agency my manager I emailed everybody. <laughs> I said, I'm going home the you know whatever and my agent messaged me back immediately he goes wait 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 we've been wanting to you know wait and tell you um but you have it was either it was a callback uh for young the rest of, so he said just go to the callback you know whatever went to the callback the next day they said we want to bring you in for testing I oh my gosh like, 
Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. You know, whatever. And through the whole process, my thought was there's no way I'm going to get this. So what do I care if I mess up? And I think because I had alleviated all that pressure, I ended up nailing every audition I had for them. It's so true. The second that you walk in saying, you know what? I don't need this. I'm just doing it for fun. And because I, I like it, it, that's when you actually get the part. Yeah, exactly. And it's so, it's so funny because it's literally the biggest secret. People ask me all the time, oh, like, what do you think got you that audition? And I always say, I just didn't, you know, I cared about the audition. I care about the opportunity, but it wasn't a situation where I was desperate for it. And I was like, I need this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, So I did that. And then the following day, my agent called me and I go, hello. And he was like, Lexi, it sounds like you're in a dark room, like (laughs) creepy. And I was like, no, I have been in a dark room all day because I'm like waiting to hear on it. And he goes, okay, well, I have some bad news and I have some good news. And I was like, okay, I didn't get it. I was like, it's fine. And I just kept saying, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. He goes, nope, they're going to put you on contract for three years. And I just remember my legs gave out from under me and I was just so happy. I was like, wow. That's crazy. And then, so then I said to everyone, never mind, I'm not going to college. I'm going to. <laughs> wow. So they put you on contract for three years. That's great. Yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. It was the, one of the best times in my life. And I met my best friend on there because I'd gone into testing with the guy who would soon play my brother, which is Noah Gary. And he is now my best friend in the whole world. So it was Aww. just, it was fun every day, which was cool. <laughs> yeah. I I love soap operas because I grew up on a soap opera and I think they're just such a great training ground for actors because the amount of work that goes into being on a soap opera is so intense and I feel like soap opera actors never get the credit that they that they really deserve because it's so much work. It's right. so hard. Constantly new scripts every single day. It's like a boot camp for actors. Oh, that's exactly what I say to everyone. It helped me. It helped me with time management. It helped me and memorize. I can memorize lines like there is no tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I am confident if a show was like, we need you here tomorrow. Here's three scripts. Memorize it. I could for sure do it. And I think. It's funny because a lot of other TV shows, you know, you have a few a few days of rehearsal or you have, you know, you have just have so much more time. Whereas on Young and the Restless, we're filming two to three episodes a day, which is mm-hmm. nuts. And I didn't realize That's how crazy. much it was because it was the first, it was the first thing I had ever booked. <laughs> wow. That's like, that's some Cinderella type stuff there. That doesn't usually happen in LA. Yeah, no, I am. Um... Super blessed. Super, super blessed. (laughs) (laughs) So are you still on Young and the Restless now or have you left it? So I left. um, It was a a lot of things that happened on the show. Um, Unfortunately, my grandfather, you know, the the head honcho of my family Mm -hmm. passed away in real life, which was unfortunate. Um, And kind of without Kristoff, there was no... It wasn't, it wasn't the same. And yeah. I think um, everyone could feel that. So my family, we weren't killed off or anything. It was more, yeah. you know, we still <laughs> talked about on the show. And I think there's a possibility. I don't want to say like, I'll never be on the show again. Um, there's a possibility of me coming back. But for right now, I think I want to focus more on um, 
things that will, because I did it for three years. So now, you know, it's kind of a comfort zone for me. And now I want to mm-hmm. move into other things that are going to push me, push me out of my comfort zone. Right. Well, and, and, and like I said before, it's like a boot camp. So you've gone through, you know, three years of intense training, basically. Yeah. And now you kind of can take on whatever, which is exactly. awesome. Yeah, no, and it definitely feels that way, which is, which is great, because especially through, um, I signed on with a new agent and new manager, and it is a huge blessing. Um, but they probably get me about six auditions a week, which wow. is a lot, uh, especially yeah. to prep properly for all of those. Um, and honestly, if I had not been on Young and the Restless, I don't know that I could handle it. But now, mm. but because I'm able to memorize lines quickly and I have to go through that process really quickly, it's uh, it's manageable. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What um, what do you want to do? What's like the the dream path? Because everybody has their their own path that they want to take. What, what do you see yourself doing? So, you know, I always feel like every actor has that dream role and that dream goal. And this Mm -hmm. is going to sound so cliche, but I want to be a Marvel superhero, not just in a Marvel movie. Yes. And I need to win an Oscar for that role. (laughs) (laughs) That would be iconic. Exactly. Like the most, cause I'm like, what is the, what is the, best of the best thing right that yeah. like I could do and like would want to do and that was it <laughs> <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt but do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals because Rakuten shoppers do With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. I like that, though. I feel like so many, um, so many actors think that the antithesis of acting is like some gritty role where you're playing like a drug addict. And I'm like, but that's so based in real life, right? That's so present with what, you know, a lot of people deal with on, on a daily basis. Whereas being a Marvel superhero, that's like, that's imagination. That's fun. That's acting. That's something that you can't do. Right. Yeah, no. And that's exactly how I feel about it as well, because I had my first, I had never, before I had signed with this agent, with my agent, my manager, who I love more than life itself, I had never auditioned for a role that was not grounded in reality. 
And mm. since I've been with them, I've auditioned for two. And it was shocking to me how difficult it was and how much it mm-hmm. pushed me because it is so, it's not rooted in reality. So you, I can't pull from, oh yeah, I remember that one time I was flying through the sky and I saved that one, you know, and I'm yeah. <laughs> that. So it's like, you really are using your entire imagination, which is really cool. And which is why I admire I admire people who do those kinds of movies because it's just, you, it's very difficult. (laughs) It is, it is. And I think that's what makes movies like, you know, E.T. and Indiana Jones and all those things that are classics so amazing and so interesting because it's not something, you know, it's so far, far, far from reality. Right. That we actually get to relax into it as, as the audience. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is really special. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that that's your goal. I, I hope that you become a Marvel superhero. I want to see it. Hey, girl, I will one day. I'm like, I know it. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> so on the show, we like to talk about either awful or great auditions or things that you really wanted that you didn't get. Is there an audition story you would like to share with us? Yes. Um. So I've kind of been bouncing back and forth between um between two I don't know that I have any funny ones which is so I have a lot of I have a lot of funny um self-tape stories uh just just because I actually have a so this might be a little different I guess maybe than what people (laughs) might usually like stories they might usually tell on here but I have my um I go to a self-tape studio and at that studio is um his name's Jason he does my he does my self tapes and he coaches me and I don't know what it is about the space but I never feel more like myself than when I am in that self tape studio so I do um it's very funny and I guess it might be a situation where you have to be there but before I do a self tape or before I do a slate I do really weird stuff and what I mean by that <laughs> is I'll be like Nee, 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 nee. Bah, 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 bah. like I'll do that like before like my audition and I'll be like okay like I just do the most weird stuff and it's funny because I he has all of the weird stuff I do before you know the auditions and I can't wait because one day oh book a role. One day when I do get that Marvel that Marvel role and I win an Oscar for it He's going to make a compilation of all of those, all of those clips. And he was like, I'm going to release it into the world. And I was like, honestly, go for it. Because I think it's so, for me, it's funny because I think a lot of the times, maybe casting directors or just people who see the self tapes, see it and are like, okay, this is probably the character that she was in the whole time. And for me, it's not, I mean, probably a split second before I go into my lines, I was just being like, do, 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 like, you know what I mean? Like, just doing some weird, weird stuff. And it's funny because I think, too, I might, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes we leave it in there. So, like, I'm literally going to be ended up knowing, known as the girl who, like, does the really weird crap before. It's like, because sometimes it's funny. Like, sometimes it works. Yeah. And I just, like, for me, it gets me to loosen up because I can get really stiff. So mm. that's kind of, um, that's my funny. 
<laughs> funny things I do. <laughs> I love that. It's true though. It's like, you know, you, you release that, that nervous energy or the awkward energy or, you know, just that, that stuff that's built up inside of you that you don't want showing in your audition. Exactly. And that's, and that's really, that's kind of what happens. I mean, sometimes I'll even, <laughs> I'll put my hands on the ground, I'll do like a somersault in and then I'll stand up and then I'll put the scene. <laughs> like I literally just do the weirdest stuff, but it's, <laughs> like, I like come in and I'm like, okay, hi, my name's Lexi. You know, it's very, it just, it just helps me. And I think it, for me, it makes me, it makes me let go of the idea that I had for this audition, like of the idea, this has to be perfect. It has to be exactly the way that I, you know, because the whole thing with auditioning and acting is to not plan it out, but to discover while you're in the script, which is Mm -hmm. so fun when you're doing that. Cause then when you discover something new, it's like, wow. So when I do those things, it opens up my heart and my brain to be able to receive that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the Psych Awards last night, but when Mark Ruffalo won, he he spoke about how, you know, the the award isn't really for him. It's because he was able to work off of the people around him. Mm-hmm. And that's really what acting is. Is like you're that's what I was taught when I was very young is acting is reacting. That's what right. you do. Right. And it's crazy because sometimes people, you know, you say that and, you know, some oh, LOL. Yeah, I heard that in, you know, acting class in high school. And it's like, no, but that's really what it is. And I think and I see it all the time, you know, even with my friends and stuff, getting stuck in that, okay, I'm going to give you something. And then they fight it because they say, no, 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 no. I have this idea for this audition. I have no room to discover. I have no room to play, which is I would hate it if I was acting. Yeah, like, you know, like I, you, of course, you're going to end up getting burnt out and stuff like that if you're doing it like that because it's not fun, you know. It's not fun at all. Like sitting there trying to figure out what inflections go into each line. That's not right. unless you're doing Shakespeare and there's like right. a certain type <laughs> of like iambic pentameter happening or something. There exactly. is no reason to sit there and do that. Exactly. It's a, it's just it's it's. It's not, it's not fun, but I also, I also get it because of course I've been there, I've done it and um, it's taken a lot of coaching to mm. get out of that, but we are here now. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's so much more fun to just be able to realize that if you just listen to the other person and honestly react as the character, it, you're yeah. going to discover something beautiful within it. Right. And I think that's when I always... There was that, what is the name of that new, um, I can't remember the, the, the new movie and there's that little ghost and they go in the piano, you know, the piano player. Uh, soul? Soul. Yes. Soul. And I keep wanting to say spirit, but soul. Um, <laughs> soul. They could not have done a better job at the representation of when somebody drops into their art and they go into that space of like the auroras and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And when that happens for me is when I'm in the middle of a script and then my coach or whoever I'm reading with or my co-star, whoever, when they come at me with something I didn't expect and I'm like, wow, that's cool. And then we go at it and we're just Mm -hmm. on the move with that. I drop into my, you drop into your art, which is just really, really, really cool. And I think that happens the most for me when I end up discovering something in the script because you get really excited. You're like, oh my God, yeah. I wasn't ready for this, but let's go, you know? <laughs> oh, we're doing that. We're going there. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. 
exactly. It's like, okay, we're all here, all hands on deck, let's go. You know, and you have like a split second to make that choice is this, can I, can I go this way? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So. Yeah. I mean, there, there are the actors who I've definitely been on sets where it's like you give an actor something different than what they're expecting and then they stop and they're like, wait, I don't, huh? Right. And yeah. It's like, well, I'm just trying something here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, and it's so cool because, um, it's difficult because sometimes when I think it's the, you know, it's the worst thing when you're on set and you, and when you're with an actor who will not give into, because at the end of the day, acting is reacting because we both see this, you know, this flower wall, right. But it means something mm-hmm. different to me than it does to you. And like that, right. and that's exactly how a script is. You're never going to see it the same as somebody else. So it has to be my whole thing is I make it more about the person who I'm reading mm-hmm. with and it is about me because if I do that, I'm going to, the thing's going to flop because it's not just about me. If it's like, you both have to kind of support each other and make it, make yeah. it, it can be. It's, it's very true. Um, before we, before we end this lovely interview, I want to give you a chance to talk about um, the endometriosis foundation of America, because I know that you have a lot of do a lot of work with them and it's very important to you and close to you. So I'd love for you to talk about it. Yeah, of course. Um, where do I start? Uh, I guess <laughs> I'm like, I was okay. So in middle school, I started having, um, I started, I, I started my period at a very young age, which was a little unusual. I think I was eight the first time I, wow scream to my mom I'm like holy crap like what is going on she goes oh okay you're a little young for that but okay you know whatever and not whatever but you know we'll keep an eye on it and as I was going through middle school and into high school I just started every time my period would come around I had cramps that were would take me out of school um Mm. had landed me in the hospital multiple times Um, and we just couldn't, you know, figure out what it was. And my mom had asked our doc, because my mom has, um, she has endometriosis. So she had asked my daughter or asked my, not her daughter, her, my daughter, (laughs) my OBGYN, um, Hey, do you think it's possible she has endometriosis? And she said, no, there's no way she's way too young. We're not even going to, you know, test her for it. And so we were like, okay. I just have bad period cramps. I just have bad cramps. There's obviously something else going on. Um, And as I had gotten older, I just kind of would go to the ER and they would send me home with tramadol, toradol, hydrocodone, oxycodone, and it was horrible. I'm I'm not that big. So it would make me very nauseous and I'd be sick for a couple of days. And it just, it was miserable. So... And my senior year, I think it was, it was either my, yeah, it was my junior or senior year. I was over at my boyfriend's house at the time. And, and I think, I think this part is important. I know it's a little vulgar, but it's important. For me, it's important so that other women know. Um, We were, we were being intimate. And as that was happening, all of a sudden, my stomach, I felt like something had, I thought my appendix might've burst. Like, I didn't know what oh was, gosh. I felt like I'd been shot in the stomach. Wow. So 
immediately his parents wrapped me. He screamed from his parents. They wrapped me up in a blanket. My parents came and got me. They put me in the car and drove me straight to the emergency room. And on the way to the emergency room, um, I had had a, a Tylenol 3 left over. They gave me, uh, so I had taken two Tylenol 3s because I had had my um, finals the next day. So we were oh, trying no. to get me, yeah, so we were trying to get me to feel better before we got to the hospital. So it would be like, okay, I can go home and sleep. And so they gave me two Tylenol 3s. Uh, Tylenol 3s, nothing happened. We go into the hospital and they gave me two syringes. I don't know how much it was, but it was first syringe of morphine and then a second syringe of morphine. I was still awake and I was still screaming. Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm really small again, so it should have knocked me out. Right. And um, there was a younger doctor, a younger doctor there. And I think she still kind of had that passion for her job where she was like, I need to figure out what's wrong. So she went through a bunch mm-hmm. of class. She did an internal ultrasound, saw that four ovarian cysts had ruptured all at once. And oh I my just, God. Yeah. And I had more ovarian cysts and one of them looked like it might be, um, uh, it, it looked like it was a possibility that it could have been a tumor. So she was like, okay, we need to go to the Boston Children's Hospital. I went down to the Boston Children's Hospital, Dr. Lawfer, uh, he went in there, saw that the endometriosis had wrapped one of my small intestines up into a ball. Um, and it was crazy because my body had actually healed itself and the kind of ball of intestine was, just, you know, floating around in there, which is great because it, you know, it didn't kill me, but it definitely could have. Right. Um, so that was when he said, wow, like you have endometriosis, you're really lucky to be alive. And I was like, wow, okay. So that was when I got diagnosed with it. So it was about four or five years that I was in pain, um, which then led me to being like, I need to help other women never go through this. And, um, that was when the endometriosis foundation reached out to me. They invited me to the blossom ball in 2019. And then I sat there and I listened to all of these women's stories and it was the most inspirational thing. And I said, I told them I need, I told Dr. Second, I said, I have to be a part of this. I was like, whatever, wherever I fit in, I was like, please let me be a part of it because it was, it's really sad. Like a lot of women don't, they don't know. And they go through the same thing I went through. And luckily I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have the family that I do, or we have the financial ability to be able to put me in the hospital and put me in the Mm. ER, you know, once a week or however long I'm having that. Um, we're able to pay for these doctors. And a lot of women don't have that, let alone surgery that it takes to test, to test you for, for endometriosis. So for me, that's kind of, you know, what happened there. And then, and they had found me, the endometriosis foundation had found me because I'd written a story about it on my blog. And also after that, I think two or three women had recognized me in public and they said, Hey, like I read your blog and actually, you know, um, I have it. And I was like, Oh, and I asked them, I said, did you find that, you know, cause I'm curious. Cause I, you know, I want to help people. And even if it's just three women, you know, I helped mm-hmm them get diagnosed sooner than I did or my mom did because for me it was four or five years my mom it was six or seven. Oh, so that's kind of that and the and the endometriosis foundation is amazing they're constantly finding new ways to raise awareness about it um researching it uh trying to figure out new ways to to kind of limit the symptoms and for me it's like mm. e-pad hot tea 
no gluten. And as long as I do that, I can minimize them. It doesn't make it go away, but um, yeah. definitely helps. So, Wow, that is quite the story. It's It's awful that you had to go through that and that the first doctor said, oh, no, there's no way you could have it. I mean, that's just, right. it's so disheartening to hear that, um, you know, there's there's doctors out there. And I'm sure, you know, they have their reasons for saying that. But right. I feel like diseases and, and things like this are constantly evolving and it's different for every person, right? So, like, right. what's to say you didn't have it at that age, you know? Right. And that was kind of, and that's what made me, I think, at the end of the day, really want to, it made me understand how important it is to raise awareness around it mm-hmm. because there are doctors constantly telling other women who some doctors don't even know about it. They're like, Oh, what's endometriosis? Oh, it's crazy because a lot of people, and it's not their fault. I mean, that's kind of why I'm here. I feel like is to, you know, when I do tell people, Hey, I have endometriosis and they're like, Oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, okay, let me educate you. This is what mm-hmm. it is. Really awful. Um, and you know, it's crazy because my dad and my boyfriend, I don't think before they had met me or my mom really understood some of the things that women can go through. And I remember my dad, it gets me a little emotional, but I remember my dad telling me um, after I had gone to the Blossom Ball, because I brought him and my mom as my dates. And my dad was like, I just remember you screaming, daddy, please help me. And he said it was, it broke his heart. And it was, he was like, I'm so proud of you for doing all this. So I think it's, um, it's pretty cool because I, you know, I do it for my mom and I do it for my dad. So yeah. <laughs> as well, but, a little teary eyed. Yeah, I'm like, Oh my God. But you know, it's, um, cause my dad's like this very rough guy. So when he said that to me, I was like, Oh, yep, that's, that's the, that's the tearjerker. Whenever men or dads say stuff like that, you're just like, Oh, okay. I'm going to sob now. Yeah, exactly. You're like, this is a lot of work. So I'm like, I can't really help it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for um, all of that incredible work that you're doing with them. I think that's a great cause. And I I hope that more people listen and that the word gets out. I know that there's, you know, some celebrities who have been talking about it more lately, which is nice. Yeah, that people realize the importance of this. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think slowly but surely they definitely are because it is becoming like Halsey started talking about it more. Um, Haley Baldwin's sister, she's a part of the board as well, or not the board, mm-hmm. but she's a part of the foundation as well. Um, and it's great because the more I can see when I'm talking to people, they'll be like, oh yeah, I heard about that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, these people are hearing about it. They might not know the extent, but at least now people know what it is, which means doctors are going to know what it is, which means people are going to get diagnosed sooner. Right. Well, thank you again for all of that and for coming on the show. I have had a blast talking to you. Where can people find you on social media? So um, my Instagram is Lexi Stevenson, just how my name is spelled. Just all one. I'm so creative. No, but, <laughs> and then, um, and then TikTok is this actually really everything. TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. It's all just Lexi Stevenson. So <laughs> awesome. Well, I am so stoked to see everything that you do in the future, and I hope that you become a Marvel superhero. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it, and thank you for having me. Thanks again to Lexi for coming on the show and sharing this time with me. Tune in next week for a very special episode that I'm pretty excited about. 
And until then, you can go to our Instagram, which the link is in the show notes, and watch some exclusive clips from the most recent episodes. Every Friday, I'm posting a new IGTV where you actually get to see our faces conversing rather than just listening to us. But I like you listening to us. Don't don't get that wrong. But hey, if you want you want a little more and you want to actually see us talk, you can go to our Instagram to check that out. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now and uh, leave us some stars and some reviews. That would be wonderful. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery, following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world, in which viruses are gods, and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Echo meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.